Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda, and our special guest, Wade Thomas. And you know what? Today, we're going to be talking about the value of using compassion and empathy to show up as your very best leader self. Um, And this is going to be a fabulous discussion because we've got Wade, and Wade is the founder and principal of Aim to Win a consultancy focused on bringing out the best and high-performing individuals, teams, and organizations. Wade has over 20 years of experience in leadership and talent management areas, and most recently as the Chief Human Relations Officer for Meritage Homes Corporation. Um, He is a graduate of Stetson University, and he also has an MBA from Indiana University, and further education, my goodness, it just keeps going on at, from the University of Michigan. So Wade is a true business consultant who believes that championship level individuals and organizations thrive as a result of strategically leveraging their strengths, developing strong habits, and navigating interpersonal dynamics. And Wade, I am so there with you, and I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are thrilled you're here. And for anyone who's joining us for the very first time, hey, take that extra moment right now so you don't miss a single episode and subscribe to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, while you're there, toggle down and share the love and click five stars for our review. Thank you. We would appreciate it. All right. So let's get into this, uh, Wade. And I would love to hear how you developed your heart-centered approach to leadership. And, and really how you began Aim to Win. So well, I'm going to answer the, the first part of that question first, because it really predates the Aim to Win. You know, it, it was very early in my HR career, you know, a long time ago. You don't need to get into how long ago. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I had been with a company for about six months, fresh out of grad school, just learned human resources. And they gave me the opportunity to be the chief human resources manager on site at a large manufacturing plant, about 500 employees. And, you know, real early in my career, it was a great opportunity. But there's a couple of things about the plant that are important to note. One is they hadn't made money in their existence. They've been around about five or six years. And they had just gotten a union. And they had just signed their first contract a couple of weeks before I arrived after about a year of very confrontational negotiations. And, and I was sent over there with about an hour's notice. I got a couple of quick instructions and, and they really jived with what I learned in my MBA program, which was there's really two entities. There's a union and there's management. And your job is to make sure that the union doesn't win. <clears throat> I'm like, well, I came in I'm like, OK, you know, that's that's exactly what they teach you in school. So I came into the manufacturing plant. And I started and, you know, like many, I hope you know, I walked around the, the plant floor, got to know what's going on out there. And in the process, I learned that, you know what? It's not just union and management. It's Bonnie, it's Priscilla, it's George, it's Fred, it's Al. It's all these different people. And so, you know, I went to the plant manager and said, hey, you know what? I know the company's telling us this, but gosh, I just learned that everybody's a little bit different out there. And, you know, fortunately for me, the plant manager's knew as well. You know, he'd been a plant manager for a long time, but knew there in that location. And he was pretty open to the idea. He says, you know, that's probably true. 
And so we started along the process of really changing the way we looked at each other. And so from a management, you know, the leaders of the company start looking at people very individually. You know, what is going on there? The same token, it was 500 employees, which seemed big to me, but small potatoes for United Auto Workers in the state of Indiana at the time. They weren't getting a whole lot of guidance. And so I had the opportunity to really work with union leadership because they couldn't get help from the union. So they came to me to learn how to lead, how to lead their membership. And so I was able to spread the same message on that side of the table. So what happened, you know, we turned a profit a year later. And it was a big deal. You know, the board of directors came in, took people to dinner, all that kind of stuff. And we completely changed the culture. Safety was better. Turnover went down to nearly nothing. We Very rarely did we have grievances. I think in a total of a year and a half there, I had one arbitration, which, you know, in a union environment of that size is pretty small. I learned right then, I'm like, wow, you know, this kind of thing works. You know, being able to empathize with the people that you're working with and show compassion, it works. And, and so that was kind of how I started and embarked on that. You know, I didn't call it heart-centered or heart-based or anything like that at the time. I just did it. And, you know, I, re I repeated that model in-house, you know, seven or eight times. I was involved in a lot of turnaround projects. And then also, um, I started to aim to win. That became a big part of, uh, of my focus. So getting to how I started to aim to win... You know, I, I left the corporate world about six and a half years ago. Um, it was an opportunity to really, you know, start engaging more directly with people's lives and organization success and really kind of spread around outside of the, you know, the contents of one organization. So it was a very exciting time. Um, <clears throat> during that process, I reflected back on, you know, why did I have the success I had? And it really all came back to that heart-centered approach. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I really love that you focus on the people, and I think that's really important. Um, how how has working in human resources defined your approach to coaching and leadership? You know, the interesting thing, you know, human resources, you know, is a lot of different things. We think of human resources as a single entity, but it's really different in every company. And, and I remember in, in graduate school, it's kind of interesting, you know, we're we're lining up to go into a large company. I won't mention your name, but very, very, very large. And, you know, and as we we're kind of doing the, the handshake thing, I remember the person in front of me was asked, so why do you want to be in HR? And her answer was, you know, because I like people. And they said, well, you can't like people in HR because you got to do crappy things to people. Oh, and uh, and that so that just seems so backwards to me. So my perspective on HR as I went through it was to to never, you know, really have that mindset. And sure, you know, there's tough decisions that, you know, you have to make. And, and I even I address that pretty heavily in my book is, you know, you have to make the tough decisions. And oftentimes they're also actually very compassionate when you do. But it doesn't mean that you just you have to, like, come in with this mindset of, you know, we're going to be hard on the people. And so okay. my human resources, you know, it was more of kind of a canvas, you know, if you will, to sort of spread, you know, this idea of the heart centered approach as opposed to something that defined it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's clear that you're all about compassion and empathy and leadership. How do these two attributes really help leaders in daily situations? You know, the uh, so let's start with empathy. You know, if you if you're trying to lead an employee, you know, there, there's an old school approach that says you tell them what to do and they go and do it. It's kind of like if um, when you're driving a car, you know, you turn your steering wheel left, it goes left. Well, you know what? People aren't cars. <laughs> you, you know, people have to have some level of buy-in. They're they're not robots. They're not automatons. 
And if you really want to reach people, it starts with knowing how to reach them. And, and you can't know how to reach them unless you have empathy, unless you're taking the time to walk in their shoes, to really understand what's driving them, both in, in the workplace and outside the workplace, because you know people aren't really good at separating the two. And so it really starts the empathy piece of it. What compassion gets you is compassion gets you trust. You know, if you one compassionate act that you take in an employee's life is going to mean so much to that employee. You might not think of it as such. You know, it might just be one thing you do that day, but think about the impact it actually has because you're touching their lives. And that person is much more likely to follow you for that than they are because you hold a higher rank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and we're, we're both nodding along here because that that is so true. And and the the, the best piece of advice I ever got, which was um, from an incredible mentor, was um, to give a brief explanation of why you needed something so that you could have the team lean in to what what the goal is. I mean, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, that that why. And that when they know that as well, sometimes they, and to be open if they have input, you know, like, okay, well, that makes sense, but we could do it this way and it will save us X amount of hours, right? Yeah. Um, because they're, 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 they're actually doing the work or the boots on the ground. And that piece of advice was incredibly powerful. So you don't tell. Instead, you are, um, you're still directing, but you are bringing in that their voice and making them part of the goal, part of the solution, part of the team, right? Um, right. They're a part of something bigger. And then genuinely asking and listening uh, for their input because they can see things from a very different angle. Um, and because of the experience they may have of uh, doing the work, um, that they're aware of something that isn't being brought to light until you ask the question. And is there a better way that we could be doing this? You know, what are your thoughts on how effective it's going to be um, to follow this process? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because what you do when you do that, what you just said, when you tell them your why, you're giving them the opportunity to empathize with you. And they can understand your perspective and that helps them better work with you. Most people want that. Most people aren't out to stymie your efforts, right? And so when you open that door, even if it means becoming vulnerable, it gives them the opportunity to empathize with you and at the same time, do a better job for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's so many ways to your point to to bring that in so that you can, um, you know, show that. And I, I love this, um, you know, this heart based culture process. And I'd like to have you tell us a little bit more about what it is and how does it create a sustainable competitive advantage. You know, the idea of the heart based process or heart based culture is bringing compassion and empathy into basically everything you do. You know, and it's so a lot of times we, we think of initiatives, you know, whatever they may be, as we go in and we do a training. So we're going to go do a compassion and empathy training today. And that's not how it works. You know, the way it works is you incorporate compassion, and empathy into those core jobs that you have as a leader. So things like accountability, performance management, influence, communication, time management, whatever it is you as a leader you base it in compassion, empathy. You base it on the heart. 
And so what that does is, you know, it really incorporates it into your DNA as a leader, as opposed to this, you know, thing that we have up on our wall or this, uh, you know, online training we did or, or whatever it might be. And as far as how you get there, you know, it really starts at the top. You know, it, you know, getting that the, the top to really buy in and demonstrate these behaviors, and then, you know, telling stories. So there's really two big things with any culture change, and this is no different. Is you have to have the actions, you have to have the behaviors, because people aren't going to believe it just because you have in your mission statement hanging on a wall <laughs> that nobody's ever really read. Yeah. Um, unless they're bored and they're waiting outside an office. So. But the actions are what changes it. But actions aren't enough. It's telling the stories. And so when you're trying to drive this through your organization, think about the stories you're telling. You know, a lot of companies are great at telling stories, these hero stories about somebody that worked 72 hours straight to get it done. Or, you know, they sold $100,000 in revenue this month. You know, we're great about those stories. But tell the stories about some a leader that went out of his way or her way to be compassionate or the leader that really knows his team, you know, tell those stories. And that's how you'll start seeing that heart-based culture spread. It's really, you know, people are all about stories. Yeah. Yeah. They bring you in and they, they help you make associations and they make the emotional connection. And it's much easier to grasp a concept um, when you use stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah, to me, everything you're saying completely rings true and makes sense. To me, it makes sense that you should lead with empathy and compassion. But why do you think it's so it's so rarely emphasized in our conceptions of leadership? So, you know, it, it's been so ingrained in our society to do it a different way. You know, especially, I think, you know, people that came out of, you know, a certain generation or, you know, a generation that maybe is more than 10 years from now, right? You know, we were all brought up that way. So if you look at the stories, you know, you watch movies, you know, things like that. The stories that you hear are the sergeant, you know, the boot camp, the football coach, you know, that's yelling and screaming, you know, Bobby Knight at my alma mater throwing a chair. You know, those are the stories that we all grew up with. And and sort of that model really was incorporated in leadership because that's what we all saw. You know, that's what we all knew. In fact, we trained on it, you know, in a lot of ways. Now, we didn't train necessarily to yell and scream, but, you know, we, we trained a lot, you know, on, you know, very strict accountability, management by objective. We're only going to look at results, you know, keep your home life at home, your work life at work, all those kind of things. And so, you know, a lot of that has to be overcome. Mm. And, and not only that, but even, you know, even the generations coming up now, they saw the same thing. You know, they saw it with, you know, their parents or their coaches or whatever it might be. And so it takes a real concerted and intentional effort for an organization to overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's really that that core of the growth mindset um, as a leader is to really embrace that on how you can both personally and professionally develop and and, you know, embrace that diversity of thought and to to make a better organization. I mean, because if everybody, the organizations that just truly thrive, you know, they've, they, they've built that in that in really inclusive um, thought into their organization so that people can, um, they feel that they are part of a, something bigger and they're mm-hmm. really, 
they're making a difference, whether they're the custodian um, or the CFO, you know, that they're, they're making an impact every day um, together. Yeah. You know, that, that's a big part of compassion. You know, people don't want to work as robots. They don't want to, you know, just shuffle paper all day or put, you know, put the rivet in the hole and so forth. They want to know they have a purpose. So yeah. a compassionate leader is going to help them connect the dots on that. It, yeah. You know, you really, you know, yeah, you're pushing a paper, but that paper led to somebody getting a new house yeah. or led to, you know, led to somebody getting a heart transplant, whatever it might be. Right. You know, and showing that, you know, showing that path, showing that purpose yeah. is key. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Wade, this has been so amazing. So what would it be your, um, you know, like message to someone who's aspiring uh, to a leadership role in their organization? What would you tell them? You know, it's uh, there, there's actually a lot to it. You know, first of all, obviously, you know, I'm a big believer in starting heart based, you know. So, you know, if you're if you're heart based and you're doing that, you're going to get the results. They're going to get you on radars. You know, kind of taking that next step, though, there's other things that happen right there. Right. There's the politics. There's people seeing you. There's what I call internal public relations. and so. You know, you have to really make sure that, you know, your name's out there. You want to make sure that you're influenced, that you're talking and telling stories to the right people. But here's a big one. You know, we kind of talked about compassion and empathy from a leadership standpoint. But try using empathy for your boss or whoever it is that's making those decisions. Empathize with them. If you were in their shoes, what would you want? Better yet, walk in their shoes and find out what they would want and then craft your stories around that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that is such a great piece of advice, Wade. Wow. What a perfect way to wrap this up. And, you know, this has been so powerful today. Um, I know that our audience, they're going to want to know more about how they can show up as their best leader selves um, when they're, you know, with compassion and empathy. How, how and where can they find out more about you, Wade? So starts with my uh, my website. It's uh, www.aimtowinllc.com. You can also get a copy of my book on that website or on uh, Amazon. The book's called From the Heart. And connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, I encourage everybody to reach out, connect with me. I'm at Wade Thomas, you know, easy enough to find. If you have trouble with that, Aim to Win will get you there too. Okay. And, um, that's the best way to do it. All right. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to include those links below for everyone who's tuned in. So uh, Wade is a click away. Um, I want to thank you, Wade and Amanda. This has been such an informative discussion. And for everyone who tuned in, if you have ideas that you'd like to share, you know, you can leave us a comment down below. We love hearing your thoughts. And if you'd like to suggest a topic or uh, something that you want to reach out to us for, you can contact us at join the conversation at petitequeen.com. And of course, to stay current on all of our insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages, the amazing episodes like the one we just had right now with Wade, sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter and you won't miss a single thing. I want to thank everyone who tuned in. Amanda, thank you. And Wade, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great.